This is not going public, is it? Welcome to La Casita Martinez, where we indulge in the art of deep conversation and vulnerability in pursuit of self-love, self-expression, and self-value. I am your host, Samantha Martinez. On this week's episode, we're sitting down with my friend, Katie Simbala, a creator, musician, artist, and entrepreneur, as she shares her journey of growth and self-discovery. Amiga! Hello! I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is nice. Of course. My friend Katie, who is a world traveler. World traveler. So I can't believe I got in your books. Wow. Oh my God. Fancy. Please, please, please. I'm glad you got in with my assistant. <laughs> I know. That was super fancy. I want one now. So Katie, we met three, four years ago. And I mentioned this to someone um, that I am really good at telling if someone is going to be my friend or not within the first two minutes. And it's not petty. It's not anything catty. It's just like our energy was on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. And so when we met in nursery at church, yes, yeah, uh -huh. I was like, okay, she's cool. And we don't even hang out. Like when was the last time we saw each other? A year ago, maybe? Yeah. For I the think photo I, shoot? Yeah. For a photo yeah, shoot. Longer yeah. than a year. For sure. Yeah. It was definitely longer than a year. It was during COVID. Like at the very beginning oh, or something like that. Okay. And nobody was leaving, going out yeah. nowhere. So yeah. Okay. But I cheer you on from afar and I am honored to have you on the show. Um, so to me, you are a strong woman with a really incredible story. Um, you're a creative and I'm always like so intrigued in what you post and what you're doing, what you're creating. But tell us, who is Katie? Katie... Is a regular, regular girl from the Bronx. <laughs> um, My fave. You know, um, yeah, I grew up in New York City, um, uh, you know, in like most scrappy Bronx kids, you know, we, we didn't grow up with much. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, leaving New York City was pretty traumatic and but ended up in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, and in Baltimore, I kind of found myself um, I became an adult in Baltimore. I got married super young. Mm -hmm. I got married at 20 mm -hmm. um, and um, spent a really long time in ministry, just traveling up and down. Um, I sing um, and was a, a worship pastor for many years and um, got the opportunity to travel and doors opened for me to um, do big events and do the whole the whole singer thing mm -hmm. and and then slowly transitioned into uh, visual arts um, with church um, still being kind of the place for me to mm -hmm. um, desarrollar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you say desarrollar? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Create um, and evolve. Yeah, and yeah. Think. It helped me kind of just um, work on my, my gifts and mm -hmm. my skill set. So the church definitely like it gave me that platform for sure mm -hmm. um, to just try everything out and um, kind of transition into um, video um, and then eventually into film. And mm -hmm. it's kind of where I'm at right now, where mm -hmm. um, I'm working uh, on films. Uh, other people hire me to do their films. And I also am working on my own uh, personal projects. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, just I, I think I'm a storyteller. I think I'm somebody that uses their gifts to spread love, to spread hope, mm -hmm. um, to spread goodness. And um most people don't think that that's what I'm offering, you know, yeah. when I when I say that I'm I'm a queer polyamorous woman, mm -hmm. which is a huge part of my identity as yeah. well. If we're going to ask who is Katie. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm a mom. 
Um, I have a beautiful son, super intelligent, uh, apple of my eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we, uh, I have, um, my husband, Lewis and my partner, Raquel, um, and we all live together in Baltimore city and we're trying to fulfill purpose and mm-hmm. live in love and be a light to the world. So that's who Katie is in a little bit mm-hmm. of a nutshell for sure. Awesome. So when you talk about love and hope, I know you mentioned in conversation before, that was something that was lacking in your childhood. And we want to focus self-love and self-acceptance. If you feel comfortable, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you evolved into being someone that is proud of who you are? Because that's not something you always felt. Yeah, correct? for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up um, in an environment, like I mentioned, where, you know, there was a lot of need and a lot of lack. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a mom, uh, you know, who lost her husband. My dad I passed away when I was nine. Um, so when you're living in New York City and you have one income, mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. for any, any, anywhere in the spectrum in New York City, that's difficult. Yeah. And so you have my mom working three jobs, extending herself to the very max. Mm-hmm. So she's stressed out. There is no space for love, compassion and yeah. hope and all these things that you right. need patience, um, you know. And but I understand it was just the circumstance as an adult. I can look course, back yeah. and see that. But I think there was definitely just encouragement and um also like a mirroring of their own um, shortcomings or their own insecurities on you Mm -hmm. as their children. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like I had a lot of that Mm -hmm. uh, growing up where it it wasn't the most conducive for a young lady Mm -hmm. developing. And, um, you know, I was always a bigger girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, that also played a role in, you know, our culture's fat phobia Mm -hmm. and, just just the not meeting the expectations that my mother wanted in a daughter mm-hmm. you know my mother was is continues to be a gorgeous woman mm-hmm. and um just you know had my older sister who was also like a very petite mm-hmm. uh, girl and then they have me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I i take after my father's family so we're more bigger boned mm-hmm. and she just didn't really even know how to dress me she yeah. didn't she didn't like or nor care to it was kind of mm-hmm. like you're this way because you know, uh, you're fat. So let's go yeah. to that and I'll yeah, deal yeah. with it. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess I'm regarding just my, you know, my exterior uh, mm-hmm. kind of way I projected to the world and the way people saw me. That was the thing that I felt extremely insecure mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, but when it came to my brain and my abilities and my gifts, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I was extremely confident. Yeah. I I had no problem. Like I remember, even as young as um, I think it was like maybe eight years old, mm-hmm. um, the piano player didn't show up. And by this point, I had already <laughs> been practicing at home. You yeah. know, just like I know four chords, okay, <laughs> and I know like 10 songs that we could fit in this four chord structure. Let's do it. And yeah. and I told them, I went up to them, super confident, yeah. eight, and I'm like, listen. <laughs> I got us. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're going to sing this and you're going to, and, and I just took control at mm-hmm. such a young age. It was just, it was very um, easy for me to mm-hmm. just be confident in my gifts. Yeah. Um, and I think that carried along with me as the journey went that even though I wasn't super confident with my, um, my, you know, my weight or how I dressed or mm-hmm. any of that stuff, super uber confident mm-hmm. um, on, on, on my gift set and my skill set. And, and, felt really good that it 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 never took much for me to learn things mm-hmm. it can't it, 
let me rephrase. If I wasn't good at something, immediately I gave it up. Mm, okay. And then the things that I was really, really good at, I hyper focused on yeah. them. Yeah. So it was it was kind of that. I didn't I didn't waste time on things I wasn't good at, which mm. probably is not necessarily the best of things. <laughs> But um, it's kind of the way I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like now, uh, like I said, it's definitely carried with me and feeling like, oh, look, I'm confident in my skill set. Mm-hmm. Maybe I haven't had a lot of time in the film industry. And no, I didn't go up from a PA all the way up to the position of DP that mm-hmm. I'm at now. I didn't go through that. I didn't, but it was because I started this from the very bottom. Mm-hmm. I was the PA. I was the audio person. Mm-hmm. I was the lighting person. I was all of these things mm-hmm. before getting to this position. So... I feel like my experience has made way. Um, my my gifts have made space mm-hmm. for me in many um, occasions um, in places that I didn't think I would be allowed into where people are with their PhDs. Mm-hmm. People are here theologians. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And somehow, some way I end up at the table with these brains and somehow... I'm able to speak to the same subjects that they are able to speak to, even though their learnings are from books and mm-hmm. and theory and philosophy. But mine is coming from, hey, this is all I've got. Mm-hmm. And it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And somehow it can match a Ph.D. To me, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That experience can have that much of a weight. And mm-hmm. I think. That's what helps me be confident. I don't think it has much to do with, um, I still struggle. I think most women, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's one woman that will tell me I'm a hundred percent fully right. confident right, right, right. in every mm-hmm. single part of who yeah, I am. There's, there's always, always something. something. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think it's just I very similarly of like the things I'm not good at. I'm just not going to focus on yeah. them. Why? Mm-hmm. Not for me. Doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. You know, because now I'm constantly having to measure up to a certain expectation so if I'm not meeting that expectation very quickly then I just move on so I think here it it applies for me like I don't it's not that I don't focus on my physical appearance like you know I still try to do the Pilates thing and try to you know make sure I'm eating right and not like going Mm full-fledged um off the deep end but um I, I, I try to make sure, just focus on the things that I'm good at and that helps me feel confident uh, mm-hmm. about the way I carry myself in the world for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you, what do you attribute that confidence to? Like even as an eight year old girl, like I see, I mean, our kids are seven. Yeah. I don't see, do you see that confidence? Look at like my, okay. I, so then you might no, no, I mean, go ahead. No, no, I go ahead. I don't really see, like I have to push my daughter to be like, okay, you're good at this. Try like use your voice. Do this. So I don't, and even thinking back when I was eight, I didn't have that that confidence I don't think so is that it was is your mom like that was it something that like survival was it what do you think sparked that confidence even from a young age I I think being that young for me it was definitely somehow some way tied into trying to make like my father proud you know in some way like he loved music he loved mm-hmm. the fact that I was so uh, um like um I leaned towards mm-hmm. it. Like I really loved it and yeah. wanted to sing. Like he would buy me pistas and mm-hmm. make me sing in front of his friends and, and would bust out the piano and say, Katie, play the four chords, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> sing the song, you know. And yeah. I just felt like, you know, I, and when he passed, um, it felt like this is the way I can honor him. And it always felt like I, I'm trying to make him proud. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to see that, oh no, I'm I'm still doing the thing you love yeah. that I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think when I was that young, I do see it in Lucas. I mm-hmm. know that he's turning eight this year, but I mean, he still hasn't found his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, me, it was music from the yeah, get. Um, it was like this 
a f- affixa- like fixation on it. Mm-hmm. Like really, it really was mm-hmm. a fixation. And Lucas hasn't found that thing other than mm-hmm. like, you know, his Legos and his cars quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see his confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kid, the kid says things to me that are pretty bizarre, you know? Um, and like, he'll say things like, mom, I'm going to be a billionaire. Mm. Mom, like I'm going to have apartment buildings and they're going to have helicopter pads on the top <laughs> so that I can fly in. And I'm just like, wow, what? Like, I'm not going to Trump like, yes, yeah, of son, course, you yeah, can totally him. do that. He's like, mm-hmm. I want to build cities. I'm like, baby, you can mm-hmm, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's like this sense of confidence that comes from, and even on certain things that he shouldn't be super confident mm-hmm. on. He swears he's good at it, <laughs> you know? So I mean, maybe he's got that same kind of confidence. Mm-hmm, yeah. He hasn't found that thing yet that kind of makes uh, like that. I could say is like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm, a, like he. Mm-hmm. This is we see it yeah, as, yeah. as clearly as it was with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I do definitely see his confidence. He he is he has he's the only thing he receives at home is nothing but confidence. Right, right. Um, and 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 just um, applaud applauding him and, and encouraging him to just keep trying if he's not good mm-hmm. at something and realizing that I play it with my son too. I'm like, yeah. baby, if you're not good at it, move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, let's just move on, yeah. you know? Um, and then I think you might become a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, no, no. I mean, everyone's no. trying to have d- uh, differentiation Dabble of streams of everything. income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how you maybe do it. Yeah. So that's that's what I'll say. Yeah. So your joy and love of music started in church. Yes. And is that when you, I mean, you became then uh, the worship leader and I was able to experience that, which is wonderful to see you. Um Tell us where you are in that space right now. You've recently moved away from that role. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I had to, uh, so uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm queer, I'm polyamorous. And, you know, um, when being in the church, that means we were hiding for mm-hmm. a really long time. Mm-hmm. So when you met us, we were hiding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were, said my best friend, Raquel. Yeah, my best friend, Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, it was it was such a hard season for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was struggling to figure out, you know, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, really, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, is this somebody that's going to be in our life for the long haul? I just had a kid. Is this my kid's mom mm-hmm. now? Like it was it was a lot to take in. And we really didn't know. So there was a lot of processing happening when you met me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just imagine that the heavy processing and yet still the grace and the move of the spirit that was felt and mm-hmm. sensed in, in, in those spaces. I, I feel like there's something to be said to that, yeah. you know, like we could be going through any sick, like certain circumstance. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're all capable of, of being a, a vessel mm-hmm. to be used for mm-hmm. the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And queer people don't fall in, in line with that, like yeah. in the sense of that others believe that we're worthy mm-hmm. of being still, uh, with being a vessel mm-hmm. that's used by God. Um, that's the part to me that I'm trying to show that yours couldn't be more wrong. Mm-hmm. I've always been queer and this anointing that's over me has been over me since I was that young. Mm-hmm. I remember very clearly singing songs and the presence of God would just sit with us. Everyone in the room would just be quiet mm-hmm. and everyone's having experiences all around the room. And that was happening. I'm 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm going. I'm praying for people. God using me to speak yeah. words of wisdom into them, and I'm a child. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm saying things that I was like, yo, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, just to, I mean, uh, in all the while being queer and hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, when it came to the point where you met me and uh, Raquel and Lewis and all of us as a little family unit, Mm -hmm. coming out felt like, um, especially when I started uh, leading worship for the American side of the church, Mm -hmm. um, that's when it got more real for me because they wanted to record like albums for the church Mm. because what they started seeing was that people were showing up because the church started growing yeah people started showing up they started giving postcards out saying what what brings you back what what is what do you love most about service they showed me the cards worship Worship. music we feel god here anointing wow we come and like so they were like mm-hmm. we want to invest in, 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 into that you know mm-hmm. we see how god uses you mm-hmm. we want to use that as a tool a evangelical tool to bring people to the church and for me of course as a worship leader you, you that's like the, yeah, the goal phew, yeah, that's right. the goal mm-hmm. that, that someone else could see your talent mm-hmm. that's willing to put money into mm-hmm. it to me was like oh i reached a, a new level yeah um but it felt like i would i would have become victim to that personality or that person that I had been projecting for so long because I wasn't I wasn't this straight monogamous you know uh woman with a husband Mm -hmm. you know that had this perfect seeming marriage Mm -hmm. I was a polyamorous queer woman Mm -hmm. and you know going back to my past of like you know the trauma that I faced as a child um, it, 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 there was a lot of shame around mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of hiding, a lot of put, covering up and putting it, um, you know, so that no one could see that hurt. No one, no one can judge that hurt because mm-hmm. they can't see it. Yeah. Um, and when I moved to Baltimore, I made myself a promise to not lie anymore, mm-hmm. to not lie about, to be authentic, mm-hmm. to, to, and so when I found myself in the situation with Rax, I found myself, I'm lying again. Mm-hmm. I'm falling mm-hmm. back into the same routines and it was bringing up all these old feelings mm-hmm. that I had of 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 shame when I shouldn't be ashamed of of this love that I'm sharing with this other individual mm-hmm. when it has brought me so much life and there is a version of Katie pre and post Raquel mm-hmm. there 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 is anyone who was a part of my life before Raquel knows what I'm talking about there was a difference in the way I carried myself and the way I believed in myself versus after I meet Raquel, I changed. Mm-hmm. It, without a doubt, I changed completely. And and I know that had a lot to do with her building me back up mm-hmm. after being in an environment that all, I mean, in the Latino church, all they do is make you as a woman feel like you're beneath them. And the moment that you try to challenge that, they remind you by putting you in your place. I feel like I experienced that over and over and over again, leaving that type of environment and now being in an environment where I'm being celebrated. Now, you know, everybody's like, Katie, wow, you're so, we believe in you. We're going to give you money to, to make an album. It just felt so different. It was such a, a, a parallel experience, like after I meet uh, my partner, Raquel, and uh, before her. And felt like I wasn't honoring her place in my life mm-hmm. by hiding her. Mm-hmm. So coming out um, felt like it was a way to keep my word to my younger self of you're not going to have to go through that again. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to have to lie and hide. No. And yet I found myself doing it again. I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so coming out felt like 
almost like um, restoring that sort of faith that my younger self had in me mm-hmm. almost, you know, like even that Making was really hard. Proud. Making myself proud of myself mm-hmm. because I was doing the thing that I said I would never mm-hmm. do again. Mm-hmm. And back mm-hmm. then it was because of, you know, it was abuse. It was manipulation. It was mm-hmm. telling me that if you told anybody, you know, mm-hmm. you would go back to poverty. Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and making me feel like I had to do this mm-hmm. thing with my body in order to, to be stable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it was traumatic and it was horrible. And, 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 and then it was causing those same feelings to come up again. Mm-hmm. Why, why do that to myself? Yeah. I felt, you know, so coming out felt like it, it was the natural progression of what needed to happen. And then coming out obviously results in, uh, me being let go, um, from that church. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pastor let me lead worship one last time after telling him, which I thought was very kind of him. I will say that I think in any other scenario that would have never happened. Mm -hmm. It would have been immediate expulsion. Don't come back. Um, he, he believed in my call Mm -hmm. because he saw what happened in his own church. People that first Sunday, they were arms crossed, didn't want to, you know, really have this Latina girl. You know, in their very, very white space. You know, it was, it's Annapolis. It and was, you don't have like a soft. I don't have a soft approach <laughs> to things. I yeah. don't. You're it's, a powerhouse. It's, it's in your face. Yeah. It's there. Um, I had people putting in earplugs. <laughs> it was, it was really, um, they really just didn't want it. And to go from that to my last Sunday there, because I was emotional mm-hmm. and I think I was just leaving it there. Mm-hmm. There was a move that was so beautiful. There were people on their knees, hands raised, people running to the altar, just having this, just feeling the spirit of God in that place. And that was a completely different church, you know, by the time I left it. Mm -hmm. And I think the pastor recognized that. And so now I, I currently, what I do is host my own Mm -hmm. little worship pop-ups and those aren't, on any sort of schedule. Um, it's not every month and it's Mm -hmm. not every, every couple of months. It's whenever, whenever I'm, I feel pulled towards Mm -hmm. doing it. Um, and currently I'm actually going to be having one in May. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have one in May. And cause I feel like it was needed. Like Mm -hmm. people just started asking me, Katie, when are you doing Mm -hmm. it? I need Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. The people start to come to me and say, Hey Katie, I, I'm thirsty, dude. Like I'm hungry here. When are you doing the next Mm -hmm. one? So, I kind of leave it like that for right now. I, I don't feel called to uh, congregational ministry in a mm-hmm. sense like of um, like being a pastor mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, feeling like I, I'm called to this this flock. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that I have a message that needs to be pushed and spread. And I'm finally coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Finally coming to terms with at, at the beginning, it felt like, oh, well, you just want to talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like, no one who wants to hear about you? Yeah. Why would people want to hear about mm-hmm. you? Who are you? How are you important? You're mm-hmm. what you're Oprah? <laughs> like, of course, everybody <laughs> wants to know what Oprah went through, you know, to become Oprah. Yeah. Who cares how Katie became Katie? Yeah. You know, it's it's the voices, right? Yeah. The voices that come through the my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to look past them and say, no, there's a message here that there's all these other voices that are damning us, condemning us, vilifying us. Somehow we're a threat to, to traditional marriage. And mm-hmm. it's like, how about I'm going to be on this side now and be equally as loud as you. And all I'm going to tell people is like, I don't know if I'm right. I don't think 
I'm here to be right. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think my purpose here is to to become this certain person. I have no certainty. I have no way of knowing if I'm right or wrong. Mm-hmm. The only thing that leads me is that the one thing that Jesus taught us was to uh, to and by their fruits, they shall be known. How do people feel when they walk away from a conversation with me? Mm-hmm. Do they feel hope? Mm-hmm. Do they feel love? If a person walks away from a conversation feeling fear, mm-hmm. feeling guilty, I don't know how that's Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I feel really convicted about that. And that's all I'm going to do on this other side. I'm not here to win a fight and act yeah. like I'm right. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, we're, mm-hmm. I think that's arrogance and, and egotistical on mm-hmm. our part to, un, mm-hmm. to fully know what it is that the creator mm-hmm. of the universe knows right. Right. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very difficult ground to stand on. Yeah. And I don't want to, I cho- mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd rather choose this rock mm-hmm. that says like, uh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything, but I only know that I'm choosing to have Christ be king of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a decision. And I'm okay using that language. Understanding also that I don't fully think that <laughs> this is where, you know, I could get in trouble with Christians, you know. Um, I think that there's validity in all religion. I think there's validity in all um, faith spaces. So one thing I love about your story is that you always centered your relationship with the Lord. You never moved away from that, even mm-hmm. as you were navigating different identities and situation and life changes, right? And so how was that as far as trying to figure out who you are, who your new reality is with your new partner, but also making sure that Jesus was the center of your life? Because that's so difficult for so many people. And I know close friends that are like just trying to figure out how to make sense of that. Can you share a little bit? Yeah. I, um, I think I mentioned, um, about my relationship with God uh, tying in to my relationship with my dad and music and, and just spirit movement. Mm -hmm. Um, I correlated it a lot with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, God became dad, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, and he promised to never leave me Mm -hmm. or forsake me. Mm -hmm. Like I believed all these things that I read, Mm -hmm. like these stories weren't fed to me. I read them because I was hungry Mm -hmm. and I, 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 I loved, um, the Bible as a kid. Like I, I was taking adult level Bible study with the adults on Sunday Mm -hmm. and I felt like such a little geek, but I'd be up there at the line with all of the other adults Mm -hmm. that got high notes, you know, on their (laughs) test. And I'm up there, you know, like, yeah, Uh, yeah, we took tests because it was for the adults. So it was Uh like this actual, like, like course that they made you go through. And I took it as a kid Mm -hmm. because I was really fascinated Mm -hmm. by the Bible, fascinated Mm -hmm. by the stories that they taught. Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like, wow, like, God did that. Like mm-hmm. this, this sense of like awe and mm-hmm. wonder and yeah. mystery as a child, it was like, it lured me in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I started to question 
the structure and the institution right. Right. way before I started questioning God. Yeah. Because to me, that wasn't God. Mm-hmm. The institution mm-hmm. was the institution. I was very clear on that. Because um, my uh, experiences, the, the really like um, personal ones mm-hmm. happened at home, mm-hmm. happened in my room. Yeah. You know, they... Mm-hmm. It wasn't because there was this culto going on with everybody speaking in tongues and people falling everywhere for it to be a move of the spirit. That it, No, it was in my room. I was alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because I had those very intimate, mm-hmm. personal, like kind of wow, um, almost moments with God where I was receiving messages since I was a kid of um, Katie, I'm going to do something crazy with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then be like, okay you know like sure Mm -hmm. you know um so it's just it's always been that kind of relationship i think Mm -hmm. if i could pin it like it'd be like god just egging me on like Mm -hmm. like, okay whatever (laughs) you know and just but still trusting Mm -hmm. still all all while trusting knowing that i'm taken care of um and you know like okay like another bible verse is um and it's crazy because i know it um, in spanish because you know mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. i don't know about your audience but you know um you know pero aunque tu padre y tu madre te dejare mm-hmm. tu dios con todo te recogerá mm-hmm. to live that mm-hmm. not just know this bible verse yeah, yeah, yeah. to live it mm-hmm. there's no way of me separate how mm-hmm. how could i separate myself from that knowing that's a knowing now. Mm-hmm. It's not, and, and, and like a knowing that it, it, time after time, even when I think like things are falling apart, somehow they were falling into place. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that it was falling apart. Mm-hmm. It was just falling into place because it had to. So it, understand that even in, 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 in shedding, God is in the shedding. God is in those moments that we don't even want to go through, mm-hmm. but are necessary. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that, that was a very easy thing for me to understand. And it comes from a place of just living a life that's been full of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it never came easy to mm-hmm. me. Everything was always difficult. Um, being a woman in a Latino church where machismo is a very common thread mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. every household, especially if they came from Central America, right, you yeah. know, or, or, you know, or places. First even, generation. Yeah. First generation. Mm-hmm. There you go. First generation folks. Um, they come with that way mm-hmm. of being from their countries. And so to impose that here on a young lady that was extremely, you know, op- like o- overtly opinionated mm-hmm. and had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I would sit in that class and when something didn't make sense, I'd say, wait, how do you say this? But I just read this. Mm-hmm. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you connect that? Yeah. Cause it doesn't align with what you're saying. And to be told, Oh, you just don't get it. You're too young. Mm-hmm. Or in, in that at first it was, I was too young. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then it, it, in, uh, when I wanted to learn how to play instruments, it was, Oh, girls don't play instruments. Mm-hmm. Girls sing. Mm-hmm. You leave the instruments to the boys. And I'm like, girls can't, or you don't want mm-hmm. them to. Right. Cause I know how to play four chords. <laughs> you know, like, so to me, it never, I don't know. It was just this constant. Like to me, it's very. I'm almost like a little scientist. Mm-hmm. You say this. Well, let's test it. Yeah. Let's yeah. test it. Mm-hmm. Vamos a ver. Mm-hmm. You know. But I, and, and then when I read that, that's what Jesus tells us to do: test all things. Mm-hmm. And by you know that we're supposed to be uh, assessing these things. We're supposed to be uh, wrestling with these thoughts. It's not not normal. It's mm-hmm. normal to do mm-hmm. this thing. And um, I don't know. I just never felt like Jesus was this far off 
person that was watching me from the sky. Mm. Jesus was this very personal being that dwells within me, mm. that is with me, carrying me, telling me what to do, telling me not to do, telling me to go that way, telling me not to go that way, mm -hmm. reminding me of things and promises I've made to myself yeah. and making me accountable mm. for those promises that I made to myself that Jesus is, is carried with me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, like I say, you know, um, very open to the idea of it being whatever thing you want to call it universe. Um, because I understand that there's language. It's very Christianese that, that hurts people like it. They don't even want to hear it. Mm -hmm. So I also understand that there's this group of folk that, but I, 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 I just urge you to just trust that this is coming from a place of just how I've learned to understand this God that was presented mm -hmm. to me by my father, yeah. you know, and I'm okay with still claiming the God of my father mm -hmm. as my own. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I have a very clear understanding of that, but very open-minded. Mm -hmm. Like my partner Raquel is very much different than I am when mm -hmm. it comes to her spirituality. And there's nothing but respect for that. Mm -hmm. There's just different methods to get to yeah. the same thing. Cause we're all just trying to listen and hear mm -hmm. and, and, and do what's right for ourselves and, and what's for the greater good mm -hmm. of, of not just maybe ourselves, but also those around us. Mm -hmm. And heck, let's just say humanity. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think, I think that I I just never struggled with it because I didn't I didn't think that was ever a question. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. I'm oh that that is that is an identity that mm -hmm. I carry with me that has absolutely nothing to do with the yeah. church. Yes, the church gave me a platform mm -hmm. to to uh, develop mm -hmm. my my gifts and develop my skill sets, but the church did not give me faith. Yeah. The church did not give me hope. Let's say, like if anything, it challenged yeah. this idea of what hope is because I never felt hopeful in these mm -hmm. places. I always felt depressed because mm -hmm. I was a girl that was talented and gifted. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but the relationship was yours. My relationship is the thing that was mine. It had mm -hmm. nothing to do with them, mm -hmm. and. I'm grateful that my experience taught me that yeah. um, because I, I know I need my faith mm -hmm. in order to do the things that now I feel called to do mm -hmm. and charged to do. I don't think I could do it without the courage that comes with faith in that there is a God who loves me mm -hmm. and um, wants regardless, to, reg mm -hmm. like loves me just like if Lucas or just as if your daughters, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you will love mm -hmm. them with everything. Mm -hmm. Not, and even if they might disappoint you in mm -hmm. some way or another, right. tell me that you'd be yeah. like, it would be unconditional. It wouldn't become, ah, uh, mm -hmm. ahora no, yeah. <laughs> not yeah, anymore. Not it, yeah. And you've reached my limit. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I think those things can happen with parents. You know, obviously right. we can go right. into mm -hmm. a place of like drug abuse and, um, mm -hmm. Mental health, uh, yeah. mental health and obviously boundaries are very important mm -hmm. and I don't want to you know kind of yeah. say one thing to mean another I want to mm -hmm. be clear um but I I feel strongly that um if I'm called to something I will be backed up mm -hmm. and I feel called to spread gospel and the gospel that i feel that's been given to me is good news mm -hmm. that you are loved and there's nothing that you have to do to earn it mm -hmm. there's nothing i mean we sing songs about it but we don't believe it mm -hmm. 
I mean, I don't get, I don't get that kind of faith. No. I don't understand it. I've never had it mm -hmm. because uh, apparently yours is contingent with your mind and how you process this information, you know, versus maybe receiving new information that it could, could be beneficial to you of maybe understanding that, you know, if your if your standpoint is the Bible is the end all like in everything, mm -hmm. um, I, I would have to say that I don't agree with you. And I think that's, the first step for me of recognizing that this Bible, um, just like I have journals of what God has done in my life, maybe in 200, 300 years or something like that, people find those essays or people find those works of writing and say, this is the truth. Mm -hmm. We are so human in, in, in our ability to encapsulate um, just, just um, creator of everything. Um, I don't, I, I, I go back to the same thing of, I, I try not to put myself in a position of trying to know all things. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I do know is that in this life, everything that I've experienced, I have not seen God fail me. Mm -hmm. And I attribute all the good to God. I'm okay and accept the bad and the suffering that, and, and we were never promised that we would not suffer. Right, right. We were never promised that. So, mm -hmm. um, and this is as someone who suffered, I can still say that I'm I'm grateful for every step, mm -hmm. and it's it's I lean more on trust and hope, and in faith that it's all working for my good, than leaning in certainty and wanting to be right and mm -hmm. wanting to uh, push my ideologies on uh, mm -hmm. people who don't think like me. I just mm -hmm. think that we're wasting our time here, people. Uh, just want to feel loved. And mm -hmm. if our religion teaches anything is that our deity is love. Mm -hmm. There, there is no separating it. Mm -hmm. So, but yet we want to separate it when you're gay, you know, or, you know, you commit one of the deadly sins. Yeah, you're living in sin. On that note, Katie, tell us, what do you love most about yourself? <laughs> I love my brain. Yeah. I love I love how it processes information. I love that when it gets stuck, it has to find another way. Mm -hmm. um, it, just resourceful, uh, fast, mm -hmm. witty. Um, I, I just I just realized I process information. I think a lot faster than a lot of other people. And yes. the, the, I love mm -hmm. my brain. Mm -hmm. I love my brain. I, <laughs> I I feel like it's a good one, and it, it's it's taken me to places I didn't expect for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say mm -hmm. the thing I love the most about myself is it's my brain, brain and my intelligence. Yeah. And when you're in spaces or times where you feel low, what brings you joy? What do you look for? What do you um, reach for that just revives your soul? There's two things. Um, and I think they tie in. Mm -hmm. The first thing is sing. Mm -hmm. um, when I, I know that it's my, my balm mm -hmm. to my wounds. I know that it it's a self-soothing thing yeah. for me. Um, and others feel that, I think. And I think that's what, what happens in the space mm -hmm. of people that need it to self-soothe, even that they go into their own, you know, self-soothing yeah. um, kind of uh, practice, whether that's crying mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Right, whatever. Everyone falls into the same, it creates that safe space mm -hmm. to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, honestly, when I'm really down, the best thing that I can do is help someone else mm -hmm. because it takes me out of myself okay. and helps me focus on this other person that 
and it always does it always helps mm -hmm. me to just somehow move along mm -hmm. and usually if, if if i could tie in those two things of helping people whilst Sing. singing <laughs> you know um that's that's kind of like yeah. the the happy the mm -hmm. happy my happiest mm -hmm. like there's no place i would rather be yeah. if i could be there you know just in that space of we're all in in community mm -hmm. uh, feeling and sensing the same thing and allowing release yeah i think that's that's beautiful and mm -hmm. i think that that's the space i love to live in when I think I'm I'm really down, down, down. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thanks for being vulnerable, for being authentic. And I'm so happy you're a part of the show. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.